forward to a great day. It's been a joy to sing with you and worship the Lord and give him the praise that he deserves. And uh, it is going to be exciting in heaven one day when we are able to see people from every tribe and nation and uh, language and all over uh, the world who have trusted in Jesus Christ because of the mission efforts of churches here in the United States. Uh, uh, just want to share a couple things with you today. This is going to be a little bit different than a message. It's kind of a report. It's a challenge. But a few things that I want to share, just some exciting things around the world. But first of all, I want to share with you um, uh, a few questions here. So the first one would be, can you imagine a plea from a foreign government for missionaries? Please send missionaries. Can you imagine that? That's pretty much unheard of today. Can you imagine living in a tent for two years in Africa with three children? How would you respond if the only option for your kids' education is boarding school and you would see them once every three months when they were six years old? What would it be like to be broken down on the side of a dirt road in the middle of nowhere overnight with nomadic warriors roaming around? What if you were accused of being a CIA agent in a foreign country and your passport was taken away? That's kind of a scary situation. If you had to build your own house in Africa and live in it, would you be able to build it and what would it look like? Would you know how to witness to someone in a foreign language who has never heard about Jesus nor what he did on the cross for them? Have you lived around people who were demon-possessed? Have you or would you live your life completely in the hands of God and trusting Him for everything no matter what? Can you imagine having people all across the United States and many churches praying for you on a consistent basis? Well, these questions that I've asked you today are actually true situations of my family in Ethiopia. My parents went to Ethiopia in 1960 and they lived in a tent for two years with three children. I wasn't born yet at that time. And so uh, I've put all those stories into a book called From Alcatraz to Africa. And if you're interested, I've got some for afterwards. If you're interested in uh, one of these books and all those kinds of stories, uh, you say, well, what does Alcatraz have to do with it? Are you wondering what, what does Alcatraz? Well, you have to get a book to find out. <laughs> Actually, my mom was, uh, as a little girl in kindergarten, lived on Alcatraz. Her, parent, her dad was a guard on Alcatraz. So starts out with stories from there and goes on to all these other amazing stories in Ethiopia as my parents served there as missionaries. So if you're interested, come and see my wife or myself afterwards at the end. Now, I serve as the mission director of the BBFI, as it's been stated here today, and, and we serve uh, nearly 4,000 churches across the United States just like this one. We have nearly 700 missionaries that are serving in 84 countries. Over the last five years, on average, every year, we average processing from churches like this across the U.S. $35 million annually. We have 19 people on staff at the mission office. And then the question that I usually get is, what do you do as the mission director? So real quickly, I'm going to break it down into three areas. Uh, number one, I work with pastors and churches in the United States. Stay in communication with pastors. Many times they call and ask what's going on around the world, how things are going. 
And uh, then I go in churches and I speak a lot on weekends, just like I'm doing today with your church. So that's one area that I work with is with pastors and churches across the, U- the U.S. The second area is working with our missionaries. I communicate with them often. I go and visit them. I get about 75 to 80 emails a day from missionaries uh, around the world. Some of them are prayer requests. Some of them are uh, situations going on. Some of them are praises and, and uh, just things that maybe they might need. And then I visit our missionaries. In fact, on Thursday, I just got back from South Africa visiting our missionaries in South Africa. I've still got a little bit of jet lag, so if I don't make sense in a little while, it's because I have no idea what time it is. In fact, it's almost time for supper for me. Uh, but I, I do travel and visit our missionaries. I've been in, I've been had the opportunity to visit 76 countries uh, to visit, so that's exciting. And then the third area is to manage and operate the mission office. And so I oversee our budget, I oversee our operations, I make sure things are moving along good, but we have a great team who love missionaries, love churches, and they, they see it as a ministry. So those are the three areas that I oversee and help with, and that is the churches and the missionaries and then the staff of the mission office. Now in our mission office, we have a lot of services that we provide for our missionaries, and I'm not gonna share all of them with you, but let me just highlight a few. We, we provide them with end-of-month statements and reports. In fact, uh, we have our website that our missionaries around the world can get onto the website, and they can see all kinds of information and support from their churches, any specials that have come in, and so we have a great uh, 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 website that is able to help them. They can take all that information and merge it into prayer letters and, and other things. They can generate reports and thank their supporters and do all kinds of things, basically from that website. Then we have a medical plan, and our medical plan is covers them wherever they are in the world, here in the United States, or whatever country they're in. And uh, it's a great medical coverage. It includes life insurance and includes medical evacuations, just like Pastor Josh shared with the Dysons there. In fact, another example I have is one of our missionaries in Chile, South America, had a heart attack and uh, was taken to the hospital, and they said, you know, this is pretty severe. There's some things going on that we don't know how to handle. We don't know how to take care of this. You need to get back to, you, to the States. And so they called us. We were able to have a jet fly from Houston with a doctor and a nurse all the way down to Chile, pick them up, bring them back to Houston, and take care of them medically, and it didn't cost them anything extra for, as a missionary. So this is what our medical plan can do for our missionaries around the world. And uh, we're thankful for that. We provide uh, uh, letters of verification for banks. Have you ever thought about opening a bank account in a country where you're not a citizen? It's not easy in many places, so we help with that. Letters of verica- uh, verification to get work permits, another uh, a way to be able to be in the country and live there and work. And then we assist our missionaries with all kinds of situations with foreign governments. We have power of attorneys. We do uh, advanced pre-field training, getting them ready when they go to the field. And then we also handle for them their mail. A lot of them have their, their first class mail sent through our mission office, and then we get it on to them as a missionary. And uh, that's part of our budget that we take the expense for, which is about $6,000 a month to handle their first class mail, getting it to the missionaries. We also have a crisis action team in case something happens a natural disaster or someone's taken as a hostage, 
which we pray does not happen, and thank the Lord, we have not had that happen for a long time. We've had some situations, but not for a long time. But in our chaotic world these days, it can happen. And so, and so we have a crisis action team that's set up. We're trained in the office. We work with a special unit that works with other mission organizations around the world, has connections in, U, in the U.S. embassies around the world. And then also we have our, our program for our missionary kids. We like to do a lot for our missionary kids and encourage them because if we can encourage the missionary kids and they're doing well in life on the mission field, then that helps the parents to do well. And so we concentrate a lot on missionary kids. And then we also have services for our churches, churches like yours. We process the funds that you send uh, to your missionaries through our office and get it into their banks and to those missionaries around the world. And uh, we do that in compliance with the IRS, the great old IRS. Yes, there are processes and things that we have to follow and obey as a 501c3. And so we do that. We also screen new applicants, new missionaries that are coming in. We, we uh, question them. We check things out, make sure everything's good doctrinally and that God's called them and their church is behind them and all those kinds of things. So that whenever they call your pastor and say, I'd like to come and present the mission field that God's called us to, he knows that they've gone through this process of approval, and so he can have confidence in them. We provide a lot of things for our churches. If you go to our website, there's a lot of videos. We have a YouTube channel. You can see all kinds of missionary videos and videos that we produce, and uh, we also have what's called the BBFI Missions app. How many of you know or have seen the BBFI Missions app? Okay, well, you can go to the App Store, look up BBFI Missions, and download it for free. We like that, don't we? It's free. But it lists all of our missionaries around the world, except those that are in uh, restricted countries. But it lists those missionaries, has a picture of them, has information about them. Some of them have given all kinds of things, of information that it's interesting to read. But you can look all around the world at all the missionaries that are through the Baptist Bible Fellowship. So check out the App Store, uh, BBFI Missions app. We have all kinds of promotional materials that uh, churches uh, use. Uh, we knew, one of the new things is our missions curriculum, children's missions curriculum that my wife has written. And uh, the first one is from Africa. Of course, you know, we were in Africa, so that's first. No, it started with an A. It's before Asia because AF is before AS. And so uh, Africa is the first one. And uh, we're just finishing up now Latin America. But uh, stories about from our missionaries around the world that are geared toward children. It's really good curriculum, 68-page workbook for the kids and lessons for the, the adults to be able to teach. Um, it's really, really a good thing to get uh, children into missions. So those are some of the things that we provide for our churches. And then how are we supported? Well, how do we do all this? Uh, because we operate by faith just like the missionaries do. We raise support from churches just like the missionaries. We do not take anything out of their support for our operations. Now, that is very unique. Most organizations take money from their support for their operations. Some charge per transaction. Some charge a certain percentage. Some charge 6%. Some charge 10%. Uh, I know one that charges 17% uh, from what the missionaries get from the churches they take. We take 0% because churches support us 
just like they support the missionaries. And so 100%, you can be confident that 100% that you send from your church to Tim and Jackie Long or, or the Shadles or whoever missionaries you support, 100% goes to them. Isn't that good? That's good to know. And so I just wanted to share that with you today. Now let me get into sharing some things with you that's going on around the world. And I hope that this will encourage you to know you can be a part of something that's around the world that's going on that God is doing and you can be a part of that in missions. So the heartbeat of God is missions. The heartbeat of God is missions. And all throughout the Bible, God is seeking out people. The theme of missions goes all the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. Now the Great Commission is God's plan for the church. The Great Commission was not given to the mission office. It was not given to, to any organization. It was given to the church. So the Great Commission was given to your church and the other churches. This is why in all the Gospels, there is some variation of the Great Commission that has been given. So in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, we see one of those variations. And it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that was given to you as a church. You're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And you say, well, how do I go and do that? How do we go and do that? Well, that's what we have missionaries for. Missionaries represent you as a church around the world. So as you support them and enable them to go, as they see uh, fruit happen on the field and results of people being saved and good things going on around the field, that is to your account as well because they're representing you as a church. God not only saves us from the penalty of our sins and he gives us hope of eternity in heaven, but he also gives us a meaning in life, a purpose in life, and that is to reach people all around the world with the gospel. He wants us to do our part in fulfilling the Great Commission. Now let me give you some things that have happened around the world. For 69 years, actually this summer it'll be 70 years, that God has done amazing works through our missionaries in the Baptist Bible Fellowship and those supporting churches. We started with 19 missionaries in four countries almost 70 years ago. Today, across the globe, we have over 20,000 churches. 20,000 churches. And right now, there are many being trained for the gospel. Let me give you some information from last year, okay, from last year. Last year, from the efforts of our missionaries, the professions of faith, professions of faith, 121,001. Don't you like that? And one? Isn't every one important to God? And so even that one, but 121,001 souls saved around the world through the efforts of our missionaries. Now, this doesn't include all the churches they've started and those other churches doing, reaching people. This is just from the efforts of the missionaries. Then baptisms, 14,000. Leaders in training right now for the ministry, 12,219. New Bible studies started last year, 1,073, which will form into churches. And then new churches started, 108. So God is working and doing some amazing things. Now I want to tell you about uh, some missionaries and what they, what's going on in their ministries I don't have time to tell you about all the missionaries, but there's a few that I'd like to share with and give you some pictures uh, of, of their ministries and things that are going on. The first one is in Korea. Korea. 
this is a church that was started by Jack Baskin, one of our early missionaries, led this man to the Lord. His name is Dr. Kim, and Dr. Kim is pastoring this church. They just celebrated their 59th anniversary. This church runs over 1,000, and every year they give to missions over 400,000 U.S. dollars to missions themselves around the world as they send their missionaries. Then in the Philippines, there's Bethany Baptist Church in Manila. I like the name of this church because my daughter's name is Bethany. Bethany Baptist Church in Manila. This was started by one of our missionaries 64 years ago. But what he did, he, has a, he had a Bible study in the capital city, and he thought, you know, the city's going to grow, so we're going to go outside the city, buy some land in these farm areas, and uh, hopefully the city will grow that way. Well, today, the city has grown and, and surrounded that church now, and uh, that church runs several thousand. They, this is a picture of their missions conference recently. They have sent out of their church 30 missionaries around the world. And this, uh, in the last couple of years, they finished building their 12th floor on their building of their church. 12th floor. In the Philippines alone, we have 5,000 churches that have been started through the efforts of our missionaries. Then you can go all the way to Africa. Let's go to Congo. Uh, Elmer and Mary Deal, they are both in heaven today, but they were our first missionaries to Africa many years ago. They, they started 135 churches throughout the Congo. Uh, those churches are now sending missionaries to different parts of Africa. Tanzania, I went to Tanzania this uh, past year and we had a pastor's meeting and over 500 pastors came from Tanzania, Uganda and Kenya to come and have a missions conference and we challenged them for missions and they went back and now they're starting to do missions in their churches and uh, uh, send out missionaries as well. We've had missionaries in Kenya. Uh, today in Kenya, we have over a thousand churches in Kenya today from the efforts of our missionaries. My wife and I were missionaries in uh, Kenya for 11 years. Heritage Baptist Church, this is the last church that we started, and today it's led by a Kenyan pastor. Um, it has started two other churches now since we have left and uh, bought land for them, and uh, they go on missions trips to other parts of Africa, and they're involved in giving to missions and uh, missionaries. And then uh, go, go down just south of the United States to Mexico. We've had missionaries, well, first of all, I'm sorry, Brazil. Brazil, a little bit further down. We've had missionaries in Brazil doing some great work, but uh, Marjorie Browning, Marjorie Browning. How many of you know the story of Marjorie Browning? All right, just the pastor does. All right, uh, Marjorie Browning was actually from Springfield, Missouri. And she was uh, a young lady, surrendered to be a missionary, and uh, got engaged, and then had some health issues, went to the doctor, and they said, you know what? You have a fatal disease. You're going to die within the next year or two. So she broke off the engagement with her fiancé and said, I can't take you through that. And so they never got married, and she lived to be 82 years old. She went to Brazil as a single missionary. She was there for 50 years as a single missionary. She would ride a horse eight hours once a month, one way to check her mail and back to the area where she lived, very remote area. Marjorie Browning led many people to Christ. She even had cancer of the tongue, had half her tongue removed, but she still spoke Portuguese and still witnessed to people and did a good job there in, in Brazil. Today we have many churches and colleges 
that are reaching out through that country and sending missionaries to other regions. Then we've had missionaries go to Mexico. Jim and Becky leave. Uh, I've been there for a long time, very unassuming, quiet family, but they've trained many national leaders and pastors, and uh, they've, they've have uh, one church that they started, now pastored by a national pastor, runs 1,600 in attendance, and they are sending out missionaries. In fact, from Mexico, we have missionaries today in the Middle East, like places like Iraq and other places that they can get into. We see that missionaries from Brazil and Mexico and in the Philippines, they can get into some of these countries a lot easier than Americans can. And so it's exciting to see the efforts of our missionaries sent out by churches like this now sending their missionaries to many places. Then uh, a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Mongolia. And uh, we have two families, young families in Mongolia. They've started several churches there in the capital city, and now they've moved out into countryside to smaller towns. Um, but also, uh, we were able to meet some of the Korean BBF missionaries. You know that one church that supports many missionaries? They've sent Korean BBF missionaries to Mongolia, and we were able to celebrate 20 years that they had been in Mongolia and had started many churches. Then we go to Pakistan. Charles Coleman, he's uh, the man right in the middle. Charles Coleman, he's actually in heaven today. Uh, last year, I believe it was, that uh, the Lord took him home. But Charles Coleman and his wife were our first missionaries to Pakistan in 1954. They started the first Baptist church in Pakistan. Now, that's not the name of it. They started the first Baptist church in Pakistan. And that church now uh, has started over 30 other churches throughout Pakistan. We have uh, uh, two families there now. One's a young family, and they're doing a great job working there in Pakistan. And they're saying, we need more missionaries to come. They can get visas or permits for people to go in and work as missionaries in Pakistan. So if you're interested to go into a very interesting place of the world, you can surrender to Pakistan. Um, and so they, they're asking for help there. Then we have missionaries who've gone into creative access nations, into places like China, where we were able to go. And uh, they minister to minority groups. Sometimes they're out in the villages, out in the mountains. Uh, they're sometimes located in small villages. And even in cities, we have some missionaries that have coffee houses in cities, and they use those to get people, to meet people, and then eventually take them in the back and witness to them and lead them to Christ and decide them and train them, and they go out into all of those villages in many different places around the world. Europe is a very difficult place where we have missionaries. You know, at one time it had the gospel and was shining bright, but today it's almost like a dark continent spiritually, and uh, they need the gospel. But some good things are happening there, places like in Romania. Uh, churches have been started in Romania and reaching out across that nation. They have feeding centers and uh, reaching to the people called the gypsies in those areas. And then we have uh, churches in Germany, and uh, many of our churches in Germany and other parts of Europe are reaching all kinds of nationalities who are moving to Europe from Africa and the Middle East. And uh, so this particular church you see is, is in East Germany, and in that city of Dresden, 60% of the population claim to be atheists. And so they have a great task ahead of them there to reach that, those people. We have people in the Dominican Republic, missionaries there, and they're reaching both the Dominicans and the Haitians. Many Haitians have tried to flee Haiti because of the depression and all the problems that they have and poverty, and have gone into uh, the Dominican Republic. And so it's exciting to see uh, what some of our churches and missionaries are able to do to reach both the Dominicans and the Haitians. 
And then we have missionaries in Lebanon. Uh, in, uh, we have several that are living in Beirut. Now, I don't know if you see world news or not, but right now in Beirut, Lebanon, they've got a lot of protesting going on, a lot of problems. The banks are not giving the peoples their money. And uh, as we send money to our missionaries, they're having a hard time finding money even in the banks there because they're holding on to it with all the problems. So uh, pray for the missionaries in Beirut, Lebanon. I've had the opportunity to go there several times. Uh, we have one of our missionaries uh, is teaching in one of the most prestigious universities in the Middle East. It's called the American University of Beirut. Now, he is teaching and he's been asked to teach there the history of Islam. He has a PhD in the history of Islam. Can you imagine uh, a Baptist missionaries teaching in their most prestigious university the history of Islam? And what he does is he takes all the, a lot of the writings of their scholars and, and shows how even they say their religion is flawed and has problems. And he uses that to teach those students. And boy, they get riled up and they get pretty upset. And they go and talk to their imams. And our missionary has gone to those imams and talked to them and explained what he's teaching. And they're saying what he says is true. And so many of them have begun to question uh, their faith in Islam and Allah and have been asking questions. And so uh, they, have, they have opportunities to start churches there in Beirut. He's asking for help as he builds a, a strong church with the Muslim people and trying to reach out into other areas of Beirut. Then you go all the way to South Sudan. South Sudan, we have a missionary family by the name of the Enix. Uh, They're there. Uh, they met the chief of that area. And the chief said, we'll give you land if you'll start a church and teach our children. And he said, okay, we'll do that. And so they gave him some land. Now, uh, the man on the right there, his name is Peter. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet Peter, but Peter is a South Sudanese. But before the Enochs got there, Sudan was in a civil war. That's why you have Sudan and South Sudan now. They've separated. And because of the fighting, he went to Uganda. He fled to Uganda. While he was in Uganda, he met one of our missionaries, Russ and Sylvia Daniels, in Uganda, and they led him to Christ. And he said, well, my people need to hear what I've just heard. So he decided to go back to South Sudan to, to take the gospel there. And at the same time, the Enochs arrived. And now they work together in sharing the gospel and starting churches. I think that's just amazing how God works that. We have a young couple that just left last week from Cherry Street Baptist Church that are going over there to work uh, along with uh, the Enochs. Pray for the Enochs. He has Parkinson's disease now, and it's getting to be severe. They may not be able to go back. So pray for their health, but also pray for this young couple uh, the Wilsons that have gone, that they can fill in and do good for them there. Uh, also, we have a Kenyan single lady that's a missionary from Kenya that is a missionary there. They've built a high school, and uh, so now they're able to teach and reach the young people of that whole area of Juba, South Sudan, the newest country in the world as of 2011. Then you go to another part of the world, Taiwan. Uh, can't you see that God's doing some amazing things around the world? He's doing some exciting things. Taiwan, they have the freedom to present the gospel. It's open to share the gospel in Taiwan among those Chinese people. And I've had the opportunity of speaking uh, to a number of churches that gathered together, and we encourage them. I had the privilege to preach in one church that was started 66 years ago by one of our first missionaries, Bill Logan. And now they are sending missionaries, and their leaders are saying, please send more missionaries from America. We need to reach our country so we can send more missionaries around the world. 
So they're asking for missionaries. Then you can go to Australia. Australia is a very difficult place to reach people because they believe they have everything. Why do they need God? And so they're just very hard to the gospel. We have missionaries that minister on both sides of Australia, on the Sydney side and on the Perth side, and uh, reaching those people. There's not much in between on that big island continent. Our missionaries are asking for more help in Australia. They need more help. And there's so many opportunities. Then go to Japan. Uh, this uh, last August I was in Japan, and the Japan BBF celebrated 70 years as a fellowship in Japan. And uh, at this meeting, there were about 700 in attendance as from all the churches there uh, to celebrate what God's done through the efforts of our missionaries and their churches and leaders now. Now, Laverne Rogers uh, is one of our first missionaries, and he went to, he's in the middle, he's in the middle. Uh, he is 92 years old. He has been in Japan 70 years as a missionary. 70 years as a missionary. He's 92 years old. Guess what he did two years ago? Started a new church at age 90. And so we're, we're excited about what God's done through Laverne Rogers and all the works there. The average church in Japan averages 23 of all denominations, 23 in attendance. But he has three churches that run almost 400. And God's really using them in world missions. I want to show you this video real quick. Let's see if we can get it going. Might have to turn it up just a little bit. Small, it comes to me like this. 
Amen. They say you can't do it in Japan, but God can. And Laverne Rogers has been there 70 years. Uh, praise the Lord for all that's happening there. Uh, we have still so many opportunities all around the world, and there are many, many countries where we have no missionaries. There's 210 countries, I believe, in the world. We have missionaries in 84. So there's still a lot uh, to reach. Um, let me just share with you real quick before I give you a short challenge about uh, the church in Cebu. The church in Cebu was started by our missionary Bob Hughes, who is today in heaven. But uh, his goal was to pass out a million Bibles and start churches, and he did. And uh, he started this church here, Bible Baptist Church in Cebu. Then it was pastored by Dr. Gisalva for 50 years, and now his son is the pastor of this church. But this church runs 11,000 on Sunday morning and uh, ministers throughout all the islands of the Philippines. And they've done what's called saturation evangelism. They started this in 2007, reaching their island with the gospel. The government said, we need someone to come in and teach our people uh, how to overcome addiction and family values. And this church said, we'll do it. So the government said, okay, we'll give you access to any facilities in any town, any village, all throughout our islands, whatever you need, you go ahead and do it, and you have the freedom to teach. So they have four people on each team, and they, they go in a vehicle. Let's see with the vehicle, the next slide here. Four people in a vehicle. They have 11 teams of four. One drives and takes care of things. One teaches on overcoming addiction. One teaches on family values, and the other one preaches the gospel everywhere they go. And they've been doing this since 2007, and I asked uh, Pastor Gisalva just about uh, a month ago, where are they at on this? And they said, well, you know, we've been able to reach throughout all the islands. We just have a few more places to go. We're discipling people that have been led to Christ because of, we have 5,000 churches in the Philippines. Bible college students are, are following up on these salvations. But he told me as of a month ago, they have led to Christ 9.2 million people. 9.2 million. Isn't that exciting? 9.2 million people. I know it's hard to believe, but that is exactly what's happening there. 
So I want to thank you as a church, along with our other churches and all that you've done in missions. And I'm excited for your missions month this month, that you're looking into what you can even do more for, for missions around the world. And uh, what can you personally do to bring in the harvest that is waiting? What can you personally do? Right here from Republic, Missouri. What can I really do to make an impact well, all these stories and places I've showed you that God's done around the world, it's because of people like you and our churches across America have been personally involved in missions. The first thing that you can do is you can go. You can go. You can go and witness to people around you, or you can say, God, I want to go to one of the regions that you need missionaries in. And so we have opportunities for you, places like beyond, uh, programs like Beyond Borders. This is a new program we have through the mission office. If you want to do mission trips, we've, we're setting up missions trips all to all different parts of the world, and you can join up with us and go and, and witness to people on the mission field with, with a group that we're sending. Or you might say, you know, I'd like to go for a summer. We can set you up with a missionary and you can go there for the summer and minister with them. There's all kinds of opportunities through this Beyond Borders up, uh, program that we have. And then we have something else new called WIN, World Initiative Network. And this is for those who maybe aren't necessarily a church planter, but they, they have some skills and they want to go alongside the missionary and help them out. We have this uh, opportunity now that people can go and serve and help missionaries on the mission mission field through the WIND program. And of course, we're always looking for those who feel God's called them to go and start churches and plant churches around the world. So the first thing that you can be involved in is go. You don't have to go around the world. You can go right here in Republic and share your testimony. But we do need more missionaries. So I pray that you would consider uh, what you could do in, in going. The second thing is to pray. We heard th this morning to pray for your missionaries. And uh, I've got a message that I have that maybe I can preach sometime here on how to pray for your missionaries. What ways can you pray for your missionaries? And uh, I've shared that in many churches, and they say, I just never thought of these things. And, and it's very specific, easy ways that you can pray for your missionaries. But I want to challenge you in another way to pray, and that's my 938 challenge. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. You thought I wasn't going to open up the Bible, didn't you? Well, here we go. Matthew chapter 9. This is my 938 challenge that I want to give to you, and it is, it's named after Matthew 938, okay? Matthew 9, and uh, we'll read verse 37 and then verse 38. Matthew 9, verse 37 and verse 38. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Wouldn't you say that's even true today? The harvest is uh, huge. There's so many people, 7.6 billion people around the world. And yet our labors seem few. So that's verse 37. So what does he say to do about that in verse 38? He says, so pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. And so I want to challenge you this morning to pray for more labors. That's what, really a, a prayer request of Jesus himself. He said, the harvest is plenteous, the labors are few, so let's pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send more labors. Wouldn't it be great if we could see more people praying to God and saying, God, please send more labors, and God answers that prayer, and we see many more people surrendering to go into the ministry and taking the gospel around the world. 938 challenge. Now, here's where it comes in real specifically. Now, in my phone, don't we love smartphones? But you can look at my phone and my alarms. 
my alarms. I have my alarm set for 9.38 in the morning and 9.38 at night, and it just does a quick little vibration, buzzes, and I, I look down, oh yeah, it's 9.38, and I say a quick prayer. Dear God, you're the Lord of the harvest. Would you please send more laborers? We need more people in China. We need more people in Asia and Africa. God, would you please send more? That's all it takes. And then 9.38 at night, buzzes again, it's 9.38. Oh yeah, that's simple. I remember to pray and just do a simple prayer. The 9.38 challenge. From Matthew 9.38, pray either at 9.38 in the morning or at 9.38 at night or both. Would you take up that challenge? You know, we have people in Taiwan that have taken up the challenge. People in Costa Rica, people in Kenya, people across the United States, uh, many other places, they've taken up this challenge. And I believe if we will have more people praying for more laborers, the Lord of the harvest will answer those prayers and send more laborers. So first of all, you can go. Secondly, you can pray. 938 challenge. And then last, before I close, I want to challenge you to give to missions. Give to missions. I have found that uh, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it's a very clear uh, application on giving to missions. You're going to hear about that later, your pastor. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 gives some really good examples of how people gave so that the ministry of, of missionaries could be expanded. And as I've traveled around churches and I hear testimonies of people who have given and who have committed to give, I found that through their testimonies and, and hearing their stories, it kind of comes down into three different ways that God really supplies and enables people to give. So I want to share those with you, first of all, uh, at the end here today. Number one, I've seen that God gives in unexpected ways. Unexpected ways that people were given, were taken, uh, provided funds somehow from God unexpectedly so they could give to missions. They could give to missions. Let me give you a few examples. A check arrives in the mail to replace a broken window by a boy many years ago. In fact, the story goes that this is now a young man. He got saved and was burdened about what he had done as a little boy, breaking this big window of, of a home next door to him. So he sent a check to that home to pay for that window, and that was the exact amount that the people had promised to give to missions. Do you think God can do that? Yes, he can. He can do that. Oh, here's a good one for you. The IRS sends a refund. <laughs> I usually get a pretty good laugh on that one, but the IRS sends a refund to settle an estate of a father who had died 11 years before, and the family used that to give to missions. God can even use the IRS. An overlooked pay raise is made retroactive. A contractor has a job bid accepted, and the amount is equal to the commitment that they have made to give to missions three days just before. God can enable this and do this in any way that he wants. His resources are unlimited. He's just waiting for us to say, I'm ready to be used. I'm going to commit to do something for missions. So God can supply it through an unexpected and even unusual provision. Secondly, I believe God uses budgeted giving. Uh, placing your commitment, your giving to missions in your budget. You give your tithes, and then you give your missions, and then you Trust God to take care of the rest. You put it in your budget. This is what my wife and I do. We put our, our uh, commitment 
uh, to missions. We just say we're going to give our tithes and offerings, and then we just give our missions, and then we trust God to take care of everything else, all of our other needs. And he does every single year. And, and it's, what's so exciting is we get to increase it then because we've seen him, how he has supplied and enabled us to do that. And so you apply better stewardship principles in your life, maybe adjusting priorities in your life to reflect your desire to evangelize the world. Evaluate your lifestyle. Find ways to maybe decrease some of your expenses so that you are more free to give to missions. Place it in your budget. Trust God to take care of the rest. And then number three, the last way, number three, creative ways of generating income or strategies to generate income. A young mom, uh, she trusts God to bring in orders for a French pastry that she makes and sells. And everything she gets, she gives to missions. A retired couple, they plant berries and they grow them and sell them and they trust God to, to sell them for them so that they can give to missions. A family has a garage sale to eliminate unneeded items from around the house, generating extra income for money to give to missions. Uh, a person resists shopping urges so that they can give money to missions. Uh, a person determines not to get a new car because they want to take that money and give it to missions so people can hear the gospel. A teenager decides to purchase only half of the computer games that he really wants so that he can even give to missions. All these are stories that people have told me in churches across our country. You see, God wants to use us. The question is, are we available to be used by Him? All of these people Simply, they lived simply so that others could simply hear the gospel of Jesus. And so I ask you this morning to pray with the, with the Lord and ask him what God would have uh, to do through you, what he would want to do through you to enable you. Then you commit yourself and say, I'm going to commit to do something. You know what I try and encourage churches to do is have everyone involved. Do something. Everyone do something. And I've had people say, well, but I don't have a whole lot to give. That's okay. Just give what you know you can give and let God bless and use it. Now, some people say, well, I only have like $5 a month I can give. That's fine. You take the $5 a month and put it with everyone else in this church that gives, and it becomes a larger amount, and then you send that to the missionaries through the mission office with all the other churches, and then together that adds up to $35 million a year, and then we send it out to the missionaries, and God multiplies it through the lives around the world. So it doesn't matter if it's just $5 whatever it is, do something for missions. Commit to do something so that people who may never have even heard the name of Jesus can hear the name of Jesus and know what he's done on the cross for them to forgive them their sins and give them that hope of eternity. Look for different ways that God can use you so he can supply through you and then be faithful and give as God enables you. Will you do something this year well, I'd love to see that this church even does more than it did last year. Wouldn't that be great? Man, we're going to do more than we did last year because more are involved and, and we're going to commit to do it. Will you increase maybe what you've given in the past? So there's some ways that we can all get involved in missions. We can go, we can pray, and we can give. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I thank you for Meadowview Baptist Church and the testimony they've had around the world for many years. And Lord, I pray that you'll continue to use them and bless them. And I pray that you'll encourage everyone to get involved and do something. Commit something 
to give to missions so that more missionaries can go, to pray for more missionaries, 938 Challenge, to pray for the missionaries that they already support, and then, Father, to go. Lord, I pray that maybe there's someone here today that says, God's been speaking to me about going to the mission field. Oh, Lord, it'd be so exciting to see another missionary go out from this church to the regions beyond. Lord, I pray that you bless their missions month and may you bless the preaching and the challenging and the examples of what you're doing around the world. May you bless all that today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.